This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Right now, though, we also want to get an update on the number of suspected overdose deaths. We know we've got a crisis in this province. We've had a public health crisis going on almost three years now. So are we making any progress? Well, let's find out what the latest numbers tell us about this. Andy Watson is with us, the Manager of Strategic Communications at the BC Coroner Service. Andy, thank you for being back with us. Hi, Simi. Thanks for having me on the show today. Let's talk about these January numbers. So was there anything positive about what we saw happening in January? I think the key message today is cautious optimism. Uh, Based on the preliminary data we've collected, we've seen a a 31% decrease year over year with the number of illicit drug overdose deaths. And, you know, I think you said it off the top, but we, you know, we're still in the middle of a crisis and there's still way too many people dying from, from this, uh, from this terrible situation. But, uh, I guess that's the one silver lining today, perhaps, is that we do see a decrease both year over year and month over month. Uh, but unfortunately, we continue to see a high degree of toxicity in the, in the drug supply, fentanyl accounting for almost 90% of those deaths. Wow. Okay. So even though there's some positives, there's still some things that we really need to be aware of. Yeah. I think the other surprise perhaps was that carfentanil was detected in 13 of the 90 overdose deaths we saw in January of 2019. And so, I mean, just bare numbers, that may not mean a lot, but by comparison, carfentanil was detected in 35 suspected overdose deaths in the entire year in 2018. So with 13 in just one month, uh, we saw a big spike there. So we're monitoring that and sharing that information with our partners in the health authorities for awareness. Um, you know, since we started testing for carfentanil in June of 2017, uh, we've seen now uh, over the first year and a half of doing that, we've seen about 140 um, uh, carfentanil detected deaths um, in BC. Um, and it, so it's it's interesting just to see it's interesting to see where things are going and yeah. we continue to try and monitor that. You know, fentanyl and its analogs, though, certainly being detected in, in a number of deaths. It's uh, it's cause for interest and shows very clearly that the drug supply, you know, we continue to talk about don't use alone, don't use without somebody there that can help you. We know there's drug testing services there that you can check your drugs before you use them, but I still think we have an issue of stigma here in the province and we continue to try and go back to the drawing board and working with our partners to see, well, what can we do to address this? Okay, so there's a rise in the number of carfentanil-related deaths here, but overall the numbers are down. So what does that tell us? Well, I think, I mean, again, cautious optimism because, you know, we we have only a short time frame of of, uh, deaths that we're measuring for the start of 2019. But I think what it, you know, despite that caution, um, I think it does show that, you know, we've either, you know, we saw signs of a plateau um, late last year, and so maybe we're starting to turn the corner. You know, we'll have to see data over a few more months to really be certain on that. But, um, you know, I think what it does show us is that the the message is getting out there. Uh, And certainly, I think, you know, if we were to look since the public health emergency was declared uh, almost three years ago and now, I think the discussion is a little bit more fluid. I think people are more aware of it. There's there's certainly been a reduction in stigma, but we still have we still have work to do. Uh, we can't rest on a positive uh, month of data. We've we've got to do more work. I mean, in Vancouver alone, you know, we're seeing um, almost a third of the deaths across the province um, in the city of Vancouver, and 
sure there are people listening right now, you know, three years ago, you may not have may not have known someone that's been right. impacted directly by this crisis. Now I think everyone has a story and has a tale and knows something that's been impacted, whether it's your your barber or your hairdresser or your neighbor or your coach or, you know, somebody that you yeah. work with or somebody that you went to school with. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's sad. Uh, we continue to see males overrepresented in the data. We continue to see that, you know, it, despite the fact that we're trying to get that message out, people are using alone, using indoors. And so access those safe consumption, supervised consumption, drug overdose prevention sites, use the drug checking services. I know the health authorities are always looking for new opportunities to try and provide um, different options for folks. So uh, we'll just continue to try and drive the data out there in hopes that these conversations continue and we can continue to access support and resources to uh, to help combat this. You mentioned males are overrepresented again. That has always been the case. Has anything changed about the age of the males who are overdosing? No, we continue to see that demographic, in particular the thir- males in their 30s, but really it's overall it's males 30 to 59. Um, they're, for January of 2019 alone, three in every four deaths uh, were males 30 to 59 years of age. Um, the other thing that we are seeing too is, you know, I think there's probably a, st- uh, you know, when you have a high profile uh, suspected illicit drug overdose death uh, involving the young person, it seems to generate a lot of attention and interest, and I think sometimes it creates a bit of a false narrative, um, and certainly it's not something we're seeing in our data. In fact, in, in January of 2019, uh, there was only one death involving somebody under the age of 19. Uh, I, so it shows you, again, that, that demographic, 30 to 39-year-olds. We also saw a bit of an uptick in the 50 to 59 age group, but uh, we'll continue to monitor that and see if there's any additional trend on that piece. You mentioned that one-third of the deaths were in Vancouver. Where are the other hotspots? So, I mean, Surrey, uh, Surrey, Vancouver, and Victoria continue to be the three top reporting townships. Um, but we're, we, one thing, I guess, that, you know, since I, we've started measuring this data and, and reporting it out, I think it was more concentrated in the urban centres, and certainly we're starting to see it now spread uh, into the north, uh, certainly a little bit more in the Okanagan um, but yeah, Northern BC is probably the one area where we saw toward the end of 2018 and into early 2019, uh, we've seen an uptick, um, both rural and urban settings in, in, the, in the Northern region. Now, what would it take, Andy, for us to say that something is a trend? We, this is two months in a row, right, where we see, we've seen the numbers go down. But when, do, when can we start to feel a bit hopeful? I think there's probably three things that we need to look at. One, we have to allow a little bit more time for these investigations to conclude for, you know, November and December of 2018 and then January of 2019. And uh, we had one month last year where we reported under 100 deaths. And then three months later, that number had already moved from, I think it was 92 up to 115. So uh, as as postmortem testing results came in, we were way off on our initial uh, update. So Again, I think time, we have to allow time. I think we have to allow uh, seeing something in a three, four, five-month trend. And I think the third thing is, you know, we hear a lot of anecdotal stories about, uh, you know, as, as as deaths are reported to us. And I think, you know, hearing that intel as it comes in, too, of, of where people are dying and how people are dying, I think one of the, one of the things we have to look at is, 
that people are um, are able to have life-saving measures taken, whether that's the administration of naloxone or you know somebody that's been able to report a bad batch and have an alert go out. Anytime you see a sort of a life-saving measure that's been put in place and been successful, I mean, I, I applaud the paramedics and the firefighters yeah. and the police and all the people out on the front lines that are dealing with this crisis because um, they are also helping with those education efforts and they're they're impacting and dealing, you know, face to face with the folks on the on that are that are at the center of this crisis. And you know, I know our coroners are, you know, they'll talk to families and friends of, of the deceased, and you know, really try and encourage, you know, within that community if there are other people that are using just, you know, using that tragedy and the the unfortunate nature of a death to drive that message home. Um, Nobody should fear fear having a discussion around this. People use drugs for all sorts of different reasons, and pain comes in all sorts of different forms. Yeah, that is we have to create the space for people to be able to use without stigma. So true. All right, well, they're so cautiously optimistic that Andy is what we're going to go with, but still a, an alarming increase in the number of deaths related to carfentanil. Yeah, and hopefully next time we chat, it'll be a more continued trend on the downward uh, tick, and, and hopefully we won't be talking about carfentanil again. Hopefully. Andy, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Timmy. Appreciate the interest. Always interested in these numbers. That's Andy Watson, who's the manager of strategic communications for the BC Coroner's Service. They just released once again their their numbers for the month of January. And there's some things to be positive about, some things to also be a little concerned over, as he mentioned there. The good news is that the actual number of overdoses is down year over year, about 30%. So from January 2018 to January 2019, 30% fewer people were killed. That is the good news. Uh, January figures, though, are still pretty high. 90 people died of suspected overdoses in January, but that's compared to 130 the year before. Uh, So still a concern there. But here's where they're most concerned, and that has to do with carfentanil. Carfentanil is said to be something like 100 times stronger than fentanyl, and we know how dangerous and deadly fentanyl has been in all of this. Well, carfentanil was found in 13 of the fatal cases in January, 13 in one month, and that compares with 35 in the entire year of 2018. So you can see why that one little note in there is very important to health officials as they try to make a dent in these overdose numbers that we have been now following for three years as this public health crisis continues in our province.